Hello and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, free and available on all podcasting platforms, apps, anywhere you get podcasts, you'll find this very podcast. We have actually quite a bit to talk about on the show today. Uh, the Indians made two small trades. They also, uh, you know, went out and signed a player, brought back an old friend. Uh, there was some news around the league. And then there is sadness. And we'll talk about the sadness here up front. We'll talk about the trades and maneuvers and the league news in the third segment. But I want to start off by talking about the passing of Doug Jones. Doug Jones, uh, for those who don't know him, was one of the best relievers in Indians history. If you go back to last year, when I was making my all-time Indians team, Uh, Doug Jones made that bullpen. Now, some people at the time argued, I just went closer heavy, which was fair. But I think even those players would admit that what Doug Jones did in his run from 88 uh, to to 90 in particular, in terms of his greatness in those three years, is one of the best runs any reliever had in Cleveland history. Uh, 91 was a bit rough for him. (laughs) And then it's like the humor of like, you know, so 91, he only he gets 63 innings. 5.54 5.54 ERA. And then he goes to Houston the next year. And the Indians are like, okay, that's his age 34 year. Maybe he's sitting a while. Goes to Houston next year as a 1.85 ERA. Leads the leagues, leads the league in games finished with 70. 111. Sorry, lost my voice there. 111 innings, the highest of his career occurs that next year. Uh, goes the next year in Houston, struggles. Goes to Philly, becomes an all star. Goes to Baltimore, struggles. Uh, 96, he bounces with the Cubs and the Brewers. 97, he's now age 40, by the way. Uh, 2.02 ERA and gets an MVP vote. Leads the league in games finished. Isn't an all-star, but could have been. 1998, he gets traded back to Cleveland. Uh, ends up pitching 31 innings with a 3.45 ERA. Uh, I mean, he's strong for the Indians that year in 98. Goes back to finish his career out in 99 and 2000 with Oakland. By the way, in 2000 with Oakland, at age 43, he pitches seven or 73 innings. His, his second highest career total innings came in his age 42 year in 1999 with Oakland. Uh, but in 2000, at age 43, a 393 ERA, 6.6 strikeouts per nine. That number had been decreasing for him, but he'd never been huge in that. The walks per nine stayed low at 2.2. Uh, hits per nine were up a bit, but still, I mean, you look at it as ERA plus, this is 99-2000. This is, you know, the height of home run hitting. A 120 ERA plus, he was still really effective. Like, he could have kept pitching if a team offered him a chance. I feel like, I mean, I, I will admit I did not dig that deep at that point of it, uh, that his free agency after that year to see uh, what's, what's going on. He was, let's see, it mentions... Well, these are just random contracts. This can't be. Uh, I don't think this is much to do about anything. I just feel like at age 43, uh, Oakland decided not to resign. He didn't get any offers and he retired. I feel like he would have been that guy who kept pitching forever ever if given the opportunity. Uh, rarely made, you know, seven figures in his career. You see a few points where he got up to like, the highest he ever made was $2.8 million, according to the data over at Baseball Reference. And like I said, this is just the beginning of the interesting story that is Doug Jones. This is just the the flyby on him. Because again, he was effective at age 43 in 2000. He was drafted way back in 1978. 
he gets a extreme cup of coffee, two innings with the Brewers in the big leagues at his age 25. After that, he does not reappear in the big leagues till age 30. He gets offered a coaching position he turns down. He learns his changeup, which might have been the greatest changeup I ever got to see video on. It's one of, I think, arguably, because this is the thing. You know, we talk about Mariano Rivera and that cutter, and you knew it was coming because it's all he had, and no one could hit it. Before Mariano and the cutter, there was Doug Jones and the changeup. Now, Doug Jones didn't have as much success, but, you know, there's a great tweet that I'm going to pull more from that I should uh, make sure and get give credit to the author. But, you know, he points out in this piece, and he has great information. Like I said, I'm going to, from Tyler Kepner, I retweeted it. I also favorited it that he wrote a book called K history of baseball in 10 pitches and his changeup chapter has some great Doug Jones info. Uh, one of the best bits. And I, I had not realized this that he learned his changeup grip from Willie Mueller. Now, if you're like me, you might be like, that's a vaguely familiar name. That's because he played, um, the evil Yankees pitcher. He was the Duke. So will, uh, so Willie Mueller was the Duke in Major League. Okay, so the Duke in Major League taught Doug Jones, who, you know, was pitching with the Indians, I believe, when Major League came out, uh, the changeup, taught him the grip. And Jones didn't have that. Now, Jones, he never could throw hard. He never had that. I don't think he ever broke 90 when he was in the big leagues. Uh, The other great thing in here I didn't realize beforehand that, like, Doug Jones' dad was a sprint car driver. Uh... You know, he could, he was a sinker ball guy. And that was what he threw. And yeah, you know, or, or this other fantastic story about, you know, he barely making it to camp in 85. It's where I found out that he was offered a coaching gig, uh, but said, no, nah, I've got this change up. And he, you know, he worked at it. And there's, go check out Tyler Kepner's tweet. I'm not going to steal his whole tweet here, which is pulled right from his book. But, I mean, he gives a good two pages of Doug Jones that are really enlightening and really interesting. And, I mean, this guy, you know, on top of being one of the greatest relievers in Indians history, it's, like I said, we're just starting on his story. We're just starting the interesting facts of a guy who essentially didn't stick in the big leagues to age 30 and then somehow went on to pitch 14 more years, counting that age 30 year, 14 years in the big leagues after that or 15 years in the big leagues from that age 30 season. Now, technically, some would consider it an age 29 year, but he didn't get to the big leagues till September. Since he didn't get to the big leagues until September, he has a June birthday. He was 30 when he finally got there. He finally did that. Uh, like I said, it's just it's a phenomenal story. He is so productive, so underappreciated. I have to take one more fact from Tyler Kepner before we pause and go to segment two here. But he talks about the fact that when Doug Jones retired, he got two Hall of Fame votes and was off the ballot. Uh, he, and Doug Jones retired with 300 saves. That very same year, Bruce Sutter received 400 votes to gain induction to the Hall of Fame. Bruce Sutter had 300 saves. So Doug Jones, three more saves than Bruce Sutter in his career. Not to necessarily sit there and say Doug Jones should have been a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, I don't know if that is as far as I would go, but I think he's definitely an underappreciated pitcher. Uh, I think part of the reason, you know, like why he's, why maybe you're like, Oh, you know, why isn't he a more fanfare of the Indians? 
Well, it was three great years, one month in September before that, a rough fourth year, and a nice half-season return uh, to the Indians. It, it was not a, you know, he didn't have a big, you know, long career there. It was, like I said, you can maybe say five seasons. And he bounced around. Like, his all-star appearances, some of his other things uh, were not uh, not extended. I mean, he was, have, pitch, will travel. If you're curious, it was Eric Plunk that the Indians traded to Milwaukee to get uh, get Doug Jones back. And Plunk would just go on to pitch one and a half more ineffective seasons, mostly for Milwaukee. Uh, it, it was a return, uh, a trade that benefited the Indians in the long run. But yeah, Doug Jones, we're going to continue talking about him, just talk about the numbers, the performance, the changeup, and just some more things that stood out about one of the all-time great relievers in Indians history. But that's coming in segment two. Make sure to tune in to get some more fun facts. But before we dive deep on Doug Jones, let's take a second and talk about Bet Online. They have been our sponsor for almost a year now, supporting this show. And, you know, if online gambling is something that intrigues you, it's the place to go. They have uh, pro and college hoops, NHL boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games, poker. Let's take a dive over at Bet Online and see what is popping up, what is going. And if you go over to betonline.ag like I am going right now, remember to use that promo code LOCKED ON to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Well, we got a race book, live betting, sports, casino, esports. Let's go check out the sports side, but contests, promos, as I mentioned before, poker. Should we look at some player props? Everyone likes a good prop bet. Let's let's see what some player props are right now in... Oh, uh, let's go with basketball. Next, Kings full-time head coach. You can go right now if you're curious. The money is on Kenny Atkinson. That's one of the many fun and interesting things you can find over at Bet Online. Go check it out for yourself. Remember, that is Bet Online promo code locked on. I mean, how many more times do I need to say it, people? You got to get your TV together. Then you get it together by getting direct TV stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device to let you catch the game live, and it'll let you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and confusion and get your TV together at DirectTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Let's let's continue our tribute to Doug Jones. So I went and I went to his Saber page because that is always one of the best places to look. <laughs> I hadn't realized, too, when he came to the Indians, you know, things had gone so poorly with the Brewers in his time there, those 2.2 innings in the big leagues, that he had to agree to pay his own way. The Indians needed pitching. If he agreed to pay his own way uh, to spring training, they weren't going to bring him themselves. They weren't going to pay for it. He could come. So he came. He pitched well enough to get a minor league uh, offering, and then he just continued to excel. Uh, back when A was in Waterbury, uh, you know, he... Nine and four, three six five ERA, seven saves, and he struck out 113, fourth highest in the Eastern League. Uh, it was in 39 games, so I think you're still operating some degree as a starter. But he just he continued to excel 
thanks to that changeup. I mean, that there was one story I read where uh, I think it was in a minor, I think it was in this minor league camp. Uh, he came out and he was, you know, just eating up innings. And he had pitched three and he had relied so heavily. He he that the sinker. He never he didn't give up home runs. Like that's something to point out. It was you know a very strong sinker. Uh, he could spot it well. He didn't walk guys. He didn't give up home runs. But his stuff was not good enough until the change. Because even though he could spot that sinker and everything else, he wasn't able to... Guys were getting hits. They were getting on base. And he essentially just... His arm was so tired, he went to the change to kind of mix it up a bit. And he started throwing straight change. And then he struck out five of the next six batters. And that's when it really sunk with him. This change is something special. Uh, and, I mean, it was. Like I said, I mentioned it in the first half of the show. Yes... He may not get the the hype praise and hit the highs of Mariano Rivera in that cutter, but he was Doug Jones in the change was essentially Mariano Rivera in the cutter before him. Mariano Rivera reached a whole nother stratosphere, but Jones had that one pitch. Everyone knew. I mean, he was nicknamed the Sultan of Slow because that fastball, uh, if it was higher than like 83, 80, 45, it was it was blazing hot if it was coming at you at 88. Uh, and then I, I missed did my numbers in the first part as well. He pitched for the Indians uh, for essentially six seasons. If you look at the halves and partials, he didn't debut in 86 until, like I said, until he was age 30. So keep that in mind, age 30. And he pitches from 86 to 2000. He did pitch in 1982 with the Brewer or with the Brewers with, yeah, with the Brewers uh, back when they're an AL team. But that was just 2.2 innings, almost uh, you know a minuscule part of his career. Comes back, pitches with Cleveland, has to f- you know fight and prove that he's even worth their time. Has to pay his own way. Uh, he comes to the Indians in '85. He gets to the big leagues with them in '86, and you know, like I said, then that's that great run. He is currently tenth. Or not 10th. He is 40th all-time in Indians pitcher war. The only reliever I can see on that list at 10.7 war. Uh, and like I said, peak Doug, when you're looking at his like peaks value, those those big years where he was the three-time all-star, uh, war of 3.2, 2.8, 2.4, those are phenomenal numbers. During this run, this time in the 80s, the only players who had more saves were Bobby Thigpen on good White Sox teams, uh, and Dennis Eckersley on those Oakland A's teams. He was in that class. He was in that stratosphere when he was in Cleveland. And like I said, it was a bad 91, and he rebounded uh, to continue to pitch well. And when he retired, again, this is a guy who essentially his entire playing career is age 30 and later. You know, He didn't get those 20s in. If he had learned the grip on that change or started to throw it a bit earlier— uh, who knows what level he could have got to. When he retired, uh, he was uh, 12th in Major League history in saves. Now, obviously, the game changed. He was kind of in that first grouping, but still, he was 12th all-time in saves, and he didn't have a save until the age of 30. Uh, he didn't really get a full-time job until his 30-slash-31 age year. Uh when he retired, his 800, and not only was he, you know, a guy who was a closer, I mean, he finished like every, like he was 
multiple times he led the league in games finish and finished 70 plus games so even if it wasn't a save they were still sending him out uh that's how reliable he was he was 21st uh all time games pitched again of his 846 games he had four from before uh the his age 30 season it's like you can't really say like a what if because he had to learn the change he had to get the grip and then he just mastered it and again i would go recommend that tweet i previously mentioned that i i retweeted in favorite by tyler kepner uh because it you know it talks about other people trying to learn the change like kevin brown tried to learn it from him and it, it didn't work out and it's he put in the time he mastered that pitch and he mastered that pitch that pitch turned a guy who was not a major league pitcher just he wasn't able to get up there he wasn't able you know he he was a quad a into one of the elite closers in baseball and someone that maybe as indians fans we should appreciate a bit more maybe he's a guy let me know what you think should should his number be considered for retirement should we consider doug jones uh, he he wore many a number with the indians uh just looking at this list here uh he wore number 43 he wore number 11 he wore number 46 and he wore number 39 uh would we consider maybe whichever one he wore the most but you know that's number 11 and that's that's a hard number to consider retiring right now because i think we're already seeing another player wear number 11 who it would uh be retired for but the upside with Doug Jones is you could still honor him uh, and retire, you know, 30, uh, 46 he used during two of his great, doing two of his solid years. Uh, there's other numbers you can use and potentially retire. I know 11 is his peak one, but like I said, I think 11 is kind of already spoken for in terms of the Cleveland Indians and future number retirees. But, uh, I mean, it's a really good number for this organization right now. Can we agree? And that's... That's two uh, multi-time All-Stars who have worn number 11 for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, right now, Jose has three All-Star appearances. Doug Jones, in his time in Cleveland, also had three. So they are currently tied for number of All-Star appearances. Uh, I think it's kind of fun to leave it at that, bringing up you know, one of the greatest hitters in franchise history and uh, the number comparison and uh, with Doug Jones, both, let's be honest, players who are underrated, unexpected, and uh, no one no one thought either of those guys would turn into multi-time all-stars. Both overcame the odds and did. And uh, we talk about Jose all the time, number 11 now. But uh, I think it's very much worthy we could do a week on doug jones like his life is a movie everything he overcame the craziness of it the fact that you know one of the greatest closers in indians history learned his bread and butter pitch and mastered it from the one of the villains in the movie major league is humorous you could tackle it so many different ways let's just look at the record books i mentioned that he is 10th all time in war amongst uh indians or 10th i said it again he's 50th all time but again as a reliever that's still an amazing place to be he is 23rd in games played in the indians third in saves uh, games finished just you know pure we talked about it. he got put in a lot of times 
second all-time to Cody Allen. Uh, adjusted pitching runs, he's 30th. Adjusted pitching wins, he's 30th. Now, these are not stats I always understand 100%. Uh, win probability added, 33rd amongst all pitchers in Indians history. And then a lot of kind of the situational or the, the ones that are trying to balance different eras and things like that. He's ranking in the mid-30s. I Again, which is as a reliever. That's impressive in and of itself. But I think one thing that stood out were the uh, the stories that came out today. You know, I just saw a lot of people online with stories. He seemed, you know, we never know what people are going to be like. That's always the great concern. Sometimes I don't want to meet sometimes some of these athletes. Uh, I mean, I have because it's my job now. But like the ones from my youth, I, I never kind of want to run into them because I don't want to. I don't want to have that ruined. But all the stories that were pouring out today were very positive. People telling, you know, good bits, funny bits about Doug Jones. So it, it was definitely a moment where you're like, okay, I, I'm glad to find out that Doug Jones, who was always one of my favorites as a kid, was a good dude on top of being a phenomenally, a phenomenal pitcher and incredibly underrated player in your Cleveland Indians slash Guardians history. Quick moment of silence there for Doug Jones. Uh, we're going to come back in segment three, talk about some of the league news, and hear me talk about the uh, the two trades and one minor league invite to camp. So make sure to stick around for that. Okay, so let's talk about the Indian stuff, and then if we have some time, we'll do a little bit of the behind, you know, around the league, not behind the league, around the league uh, for Major League Baseball. So let's start with the first thing. The Indians signed Sandy Leon, <laughs> old friend alert. Uh, everyone knows how I feel about him. If he is here to be the uh, the Contreras type, if he is here to be the Bo Taylor type, if he is here as the extreme backup to give you kind of a, a vet you can go to. Uh, I mean, I, I personally liked Rene Rivera last year in that role, but hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue or really care uh, in depth about who should be your, gosh, I, I don't love to say your third option out, I'm hoping he's maybe fourth and Lavastida is the third option, but it's not really something to get upset about. They like him. Uh, there's something there, and I'll just trust them. Uh, it does make me feel that Roberto Perez is not coming back. Uh, I will say that. Uh, if they're going to get someone they feel familiar and comfortable with, yeah, I, I still think they're going to try to upgrade. I, and another name, I mean, again, I really like Lavastida, but I mean, Jacob Stallings just won the gold glove in the National League, and the Pirates seem up for trades. Uh, if you are curious about, um, I feel like I should mention the Fangraphs article by Eric Longenhagen. Uh, that's going to get rolled into a bit of tomorrow's show. I'm not going to go too much into it, but it, it did. You know, that's someone else saying that uh, the Indians aren't going to spend. Contrary to what everyone thinks, the Indians aren't going to spend. And it, one of the reasons they were unable to make any trades with the uh, the 40-man roster congestion that's here, and by the way, is getting much worse because it's congested with interesting names. Uh, at some point, we'll start talking about 2022, and you can see 2022 is as bad as this year, uh, is the Indians weren't willing to take on money in contracts. So for a team that people feel like, is oh, they can go out and sign Starling Marte, yeah, they weren't willing to, you know, not to say that anything was coming together, but even on like the low of five to six million, this team was currently unwilling to take that much contract on in a trade. Uh, so we'll get into more of that Fangraphs piece, but that that is worth being stated uh, that that came out. 
there's some other bits and pieces in there. It's an interesting read uh, in general if you want to check it out beforehand, but we'll cover that in depth tomorrow. But for now, let's focus on the trades that happen. Uh, that we've talked about the catcher and we talked about, like I said, it's a fascinating piece uh, that does not bode well for uh, a lot of people's expectations of this offseason. So the Indians traded Harold Ramirez to the Cubs for cash. Uh, hey, I can't believe they got anything for him. It is mind-boggling that guys like Harold Ramirez and Billy McKinney keep getting traded. McKinney can at least be a decent defender. Like, Harold Ramirez, if he's not a starter, doesn't work for a baseball team. He just doesn't because he's too bad of a defender to be, like, a backup, and he can't back up all three outfield spots because his arm can't handle right, and he, he just, I mean, he can't even take good angles in left. Uh, so he doesn't work as a backup. He's got 800 plate appearances of mediocre baseball. It's it's crazy how teams keep thinking that these guys are going to find an extra gear, but they don't want to try young players. They keep. Uh, we'll see, you know, if there's a trade or if someone else just claims Daniel Johnson. Not that any of that has been reported, but I think there's a possibility that could occur. The other side of things, uh, you know, in this in both cases, a trade was worked out so these teams could jump the line. Uh, or not have to deal with the claim system. Uh, J.C. Mejia to the Brewers. Now, the Brewers are a team that lacks depth. They just released Mark Matias this past week, who, you know, was never up for consideration with the Indians, who they traded out for, I think, cash considerations, because, hey, you know, he's going to be on a 40-man. That's good for him. Like, that was more a favor for Matias than anything else. Uh, Mejia to the Brewers is fascinating. Brewers do a good job of adding a third pitch, working with guys, they might turn him into a decent starter. They might. Like, Mejia was mostly a two-pitch guy at points this year. Uh, He could use an extra gear. The Indians uh, worked with him, and, you know, I I understood why they let him go. Uh, There wasn't a high-ceiling outcome there. The Brewers do a very good job with pitcher development. If there's an organization that could potentially do something more than what the Indians have done, it's the Brewers. So that's that's a great landing spot. It's interesting, that one was cash considerations or a player to be named later. What that could mean is that it is uh, the player to be named later is a player who's Rule 5 eligible but cannot be traded now because uh, he could be selected. So if there's a player the Indians like but they didn't want to uh, risk losing him and then getting nothing, uh, if that player or players get taken in the Rule 5, uh, the Indians would get cash instead of a player. Uh, my hazard of guess right now is Max Laser. On top of a fantastic name, he is hurt. He required Tommy John surgery at the beginning of the 2021 season. Go check out uh, Funky Delivery. He's got, uh, I've heard some uh, comparisons. with like, I think Oliver Drake was the one that came up. Uh, more to the point, though, when you go and you look at his minor league performance numbers. Now, they are limited to uh what a combined 133 innings walk rate under two for most of that uh his last full year and a ball strikeout rate over 12 Uh, some interesting tools to work with fits the indians profile uh is a little bit older at 22 for having never pitched above a ball but that is also partially due to injury but again weird delivery good control numbers seems like an indians type uh, was left unprotected by the Brewers, even though he's Rule 5 eligible. So that is something to keep in mind there. Uh, it would at least make for an interesting trade piece and 
something like that, you know, makes the Indians, I mean, either way, they're going to get something. So they would still get cash inspired to get something and nothing. But, uh, you know, the Brewers jumped the line, as it were, for a reason. And the Indians, I'm sure, uh, had some names. The fact that it's not just cash, it's a player to be named later or cash is why I think it is probably a player who is Rule 5 eligible that the Indians would like to acquire after the Rule 5 draft has occurred. Uh, So then they don't have to worry about 40-man and the like. I've been Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day. Available on all podcasting platforms and apps. Why don't you go check out uh, Lockdown Blue Jackets? Uh, they just had seven goal night, a seven goal night. That's that's pretty. Uh, remember to rate and review, download daily. We fell out of the top 100. We can get back there. Lockdown Guardians team. Uh, I know I'm probably still saying Indians throughout the podcast. When I catch myself, I fix it. When I don't, well, it's going to be a process. 40 years of one is hard to change in a week. Thank you all for listening, doing your part, helping our small show grow. We're going to get back in that top 100. I know it because of the fantastic fan base. Uh, Again, thank you all for your support. And as we now say, go, go, Guardians, go.